This is Movie and a Beer, a podcast based in Portland, Oregon, where you can share in our discussion about movies and what beers go best with them. From classic cinema to the latest blockbuster, we all can use a little help figuring out what beers to enjoy in the theater or at home. So listen in and explore with us the vast world of ales and lagers to pair up with your movie experience. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dan Kapersky. This is Movie and a Beer. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing two movies that we watched here in my wonderful man cave. Uh, the first one being Jojo Rabbit and the second one being a Netflix film titled Marriage Story. They both were very challenging in their own ways. Correct. Uh, the Jojo Rabbit was a kind of comical satire of World War II Nazi Germany and had a lot of interesting dialogue and interaction between this young man who's growing up and figuring out his life in a very challenging environment. Uh, It does very much hit on all the major anti-Nazi, anti-fascists. Yeah. They were really evil. They did a lot of bad things to a lot of really good people, including his own family. Yeah. And the funny parts of that film really were reflected... (laughs) In his drawing, he wrote a he created his own picture book, so describing to, to to help the the Nazi party identify Jews. Yes, exactly. With their their large horns and scaled wings. I like how you describe Nazi Germany as a challenging place. <laughs> challenging I, I think it was more than challenging. I think it was probably <laughs> deadly to people. But you're probably fine if you're you know a Nazi. Yeah, and but that doesn't mean your parents are fine. No, 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 no. It just means you're fine. And, yeah. that, and we discovered that quickly in the film. I, but we get a fun we get a uh, fun Hitler in Taika Waititi. <laughs> yes, we do. So he plays the imaginary friend that helps him as the father who was not there, who he thinks is off fighting the war, mm-hmm. and gives him advice. Sometimes not the best advice. You know what he should do? Burn down the house and blame Winston Churchill. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> So we had chosen this film as a juxtaposition against 1917, which is a film we had saw a week prior mm-hmm. to this. So we had a very heavy World War One, just very gritty, real-life yeah. demonstration of real life, what real time. war is like in real time. This film takes place over a longer period of time, does have some good editing, really phenomenal acting by all the people involved. Oh, God. There are some amazing... Sam Rockwell, yeah, especially. Good Lord. Some subplots that were demonstrated and, and flushed out really well. Uh, some surprise, you know, I, I know your backstory and I know your situation, but I'm not going to tell on you because it'll then not only come back to me, you'll then tell on me because you yeah. know my secret. So it's mm-hmm. like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, which is really cool. Um, the one thing that I do have in the notes here is uh, it's been called a hipster Nazi comedy, which is, you know, kind of a weird thing to say, but that's, you know, we, we started out, there have been other movies that have been farces and comedy about Nazi Germany. Yeah. There's been some really famous ones. Charlie Chaplin did the first one and portrayed Hitler in a very not That's right, he did. Way. He did it as a joke. And since then, there's been a number of, you know, fairly well-received and popular films, mm-hmm. and this follows suit with those. My personal favorite being, it doesn't focus on Nazi Germany, but in Blazing Saddles, there's a scene where a guy just as Hitler is talking to a guy just as like Julius Caesar, 
just sitting at the the lunch table, and the guy asks Caesar, "So, uh, how, how's your movie going?" Ah, it's terrible. They lose me after the bunker scene. <laughs> Classic Mel Brooks. So in, in talking about types of comedy and history of comedy, uh, this film follows a visual humor style and the writing style mm -hmm. of, if you're a Monty Python fan, you'll easily be able to see kind of how they set scenes up, how the, the sight gags happen and how that portrays the comedy that's happening in front of you. And, and while it's not intended to be comedy, it comes across that way very well. Yeah, especially in the, like the characterizations of like the Nazi party generals and people in charge are all very, like, caricatures of, of people that were, I'm sure, were actually in the, in the Nazi Party army mm -hmm. and, and within Germany. So, so Randall, why, why do you say that, that you had, uh, not issues with the film, but it challenged you in some I way? think it was, I think the nature of Nazi films are always challenging to watch, and one that kind of, uh, makes some likable in some ways. <laughs> Any film that makes Hitler kind of likable makes me cringe a little bit. Um, not to say That's that fair. their performances were bad. I just, it just, there was something I couldn't quite put my finger on that this film just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, not to say it was a poorly made film. Um, that's, that. yeah, that's what I'd say. That makes sense. I get that. Yeah, right? I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's a very difficult subject to treat lightly. But, I mean, I guess, you know, it's going to happen, right? And it's been happening. I think Charlie Chaplin's Hitler was actually um, really intense and really not funny and uh, kind of scary at times, <laughs> how, uh, how accurate it was. I don't, I, I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> I, I only remember a few scenes where he's given some speeches and, and he really, um, really dials it in. Taika Waititi did that, did that a little bit. Yeah. The director, Taika Waititi, plays the imaginary friend Hitler. There's a couple of times where he's like being doofy-goofy and then starts reciting stuff. I turn to the guys, like, is that like from, from one of his speeches? Because that sounds like it's from one of his speeches. Yeah, he definitely was uh, he channeling his inner Hitler. Yeah, the, the <laughs> Which is crazy, because I'm pretty sure he's part Jewish. Yeah, yeah the, the speech pattern. Hitler? Yeah, the, the, he was. Yeah. And, and Taika. <laughs> <laughs> The, the delivery, the speech pattern, the, yeah. the inflection of the voice, and how mm. it, it did seem like he was purposefully, very purposefully trying to reflect or demonstrate that this is, in his mind, in the, in the you know, JoJo's mind, and probably other kids who have imaginary friends would think the same. It's really him. He mm -hmm. wants to believe it's true. Yeah. So. This is exactly what he's like all the time, and we're going to be best friends. Yeah. So I think, you know, we, we all three like the film uh, nah. for somewhat different reasons. I mean, Randall's kind of on the fence. I'm on the fence about this I'm gonna, one. My thumb is up and his is like wavering between yeah. like the, the middle area. Like, eh. Yeah. I, it, it was a nice break from 1917 from the very serious portrayal of a, a horrible period in time in human history. So. I think we all had to recover after that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little surprised Jojo Rabbit got nominated for Best Picture. 1917, I get. Mm -hmm. uh, but Jojo Rabbit, I'm not sure. Best picture, really? Like, I feel this like one of a lot the best of best films we've seen this year. I feel like they take the acting because the acting's like I yeah. like the, the acting's phenomenal. Like Scarlett Johansson's always great. Sam Rockwell knows exactly what he's doing. They put Stephen Merchant and Rebel Wilson in the right roles because mm -hmm. if you put them in the wrong role, it's like hey, no, they're what they they were exactly where they need to be. And I think they could they took that and like 
oh, I enjoyed watching this, and oh, this is cool, and I really like this, into like, well, and that's mean, it's like the best picture. Mm -hmm. I think. I Obviously, I've never gotten a vote, otherwise there'd be a lot more different choices on the dang marquee. Who is the director of this one again? Taika Waititi. Oh, right. Of course. We said that five times. Uh, what else has he done? Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, um, did he? Really? He did the first, the movie uh, What We Do in the Shadows. The, that was uh, great. The vampire mockumentary. That was great. Which is now a FX show that I really enjoy. But he's not in it, though, right? No. No, no yeah. Not this one. Um, he also did, I think, Hunt for the Wilder People. The mm. very... jeez, oh, what's the guy's name? I'm blanking on his name, but he... This, uh, I think the story was like this guy just took his kids through the woods and just essentially kind of kidnapped them. Mm. But the story is kind of whimsical-ish. So I'm, glad, I'm glad he feels really at liberty to make light of really intense mm. subjects like kidnapping and, and Nazis <laughs> and Greek gods. <laughs> <laughs> um, Norse gods. <laughs> right. If you do have an opportunity to see it, I think we, we can I, recommend I'd, seeing it. I'd recommend it. I, it was a good film. I, it's definitely not for children under a certain age because they will not understand some of the humor. Yeah. They may get a little bit that it's a farce, but they may not. And so I, I think uh, probably 15, 12 to 15 is a good age range to be as a minimum to watch the film. It is geared towards kids in the way that the story is portrayed. They do show people getting shot, but they don't. It's not like big bloody gory scene like nineteen seventeen had. You know, it's it's a good film though. I, mm -hmm. I appreciated it. I, I enjoyed it for what it was and what it was providing, which is an interesting backdrop to a fun story about a young kid falling in love with his enemy mm -hmm. and then embracing her at the end. So, so on to the second film, which is a Netflix exclusive called Marriage Story. There's one of the ones they like put in, like push to put in theaters they could get nominated. Yeah. There's a couple others I'm blanking on, but I think that's a rule. It has to have mm -hmm. a theatrical release for it to get nominated, which is silly. Right? It seems weird. It the it seems arcane. System, systems run by arcane yeah. people. They're like, it's not a thing. Alright, so the uh, <laughs> the film is directed by Noah Baumbach and follows a, what I would quote a messy divorce of a New York that. New York power couple. They're not really a power couple, but they kind of get portrayed that way. Scarlett Johansson, Nicole, as her name is in the story, is an actress from Hollywood who moves out to New York to try something different and then ends up, ends up staying there. She does a production with Adam Driver's character, Charlie. They fall in love. Charlie gives up his impending fame somewhat to be with her instead of in his own words, he could go out and get anybody he wanted, mm -hmm. but he chose not to. He chose to be with her. Uh, and then it also centers around the interaction with Henry, who is played by, I don't know how to say this name, Aji? A-Z-H-Y. Aji. Listeners, uh, message us and tell us how that's pronounced. Ashy Robertson. I think he kind of stole the show. You have an authentic young 10-year-old who's trying to figure out what's going on with his parents. Mm -hmm. who gets spoiled rotten by the mom, and sometimes not intentionally. She just likes doing these things for the kid. And then this father who is super busy and Stre you know, very stressed, stressed out. out about work, about directing, money, about, all about the having things, to get a lawyer. About having to get a lawyer. Um, so basically it starts out with them in therapy, and then she moves out to L.A. to do a pilot. Yes, for TV a pilot. TV show. They had a mutual agreement in 
you know, verbal agreement that she would come back after they're done. She takes the kid with them. And unbeknownst to him, she's basically starting the process of getting a divorce and serves him with the papers Well, he gets served with the papers. But it follows the same kind of dialogue pattern and interaction that some of the classic divorce movies. Um, I have yeah. down here in the notes like War of the Roses, Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, and there's been previous family-style dramas called The Squid and the Whale, which I've heard of, but I have not seen. I think it stars Jermaine Clement and, some, and somebody else. But I remember him, like, that was his big, first big thing after uh, Fly the Concords. And he was like, I want to be taken seriously as an actor. Yeah. This, this film does have a great supporting cast. Yeah, Ray Liotta, um, Ray Liotta. Laura Dern. Yeah, Laura Dern was awesome. Alan Alda, who were like, oh, he's still alive? Yeah, no, he's still <laughs> I was making, a little surprised. He's still making films, and he knows. He's just like this crotchety old lawyer who tells it like it is. And he will he tries to take advantage of the situation a little bit, which is kind of funny, and he doesn't do it in a very slick way. Yeah. He just starts telling stories, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's $160 an hour. And he sits there and wants to tell stories, and it's like, no, let's, you know, let, let's talk about the case. Yeah, yeah. It's shot like a play. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very much, it feels like you're watching a play, and that there's, like, the way the scenes are set and how people go, go in and out of the, the scenes, it's like how people leave on stage and come back. I don't know how to say it, like, it's just, it, it has a feel of a, like, a theatrical play. Yeah. Which is fitting, since Charlie's play was going to Broadway, and it's very much like he's in the theater scene. That's what he does, he directs theater. Yeah. And, and so the film really develops over the course of, it's like a two hour plus film, I, I am it felt like it. unfortunately got very bored quickly as it's a very slow grind of realization of Charlie that his life is being torn apart and he is so introverted and into his world that he doesn't really see it until the lawyers start pointing out these things and his friends start pointing out these things and he realizes that, oh, I kind of need to get my shit together or I'm really going to get screwed here. And he sort of still does get screwed in the end. But at least they have an amicable situation. Yeah. Uh, and I think you had looked up, it's actually based off of a real story. Yeah, Noam Baumbach's uh, divorce from Jennifer Jason Lee in the 90s. Like, it's based on that, because she wanted to go act, and he's like, I want to do this. And then it's just a whole mess. Divorce is messy. <laughs> it is. And I kind of felt like it made her out to be the villain. Mm. Even though he had his faults and he recognized those faults in the end and then tried changing some of the behavior patterns that caused her to feel the way she felt and to get mm. and want to leave or to go do what she wanted to do versus doing what he wanted to do, which makes total sense. I didn't like either one of them, honestly. Yeah. I didn't like either one of them, and yet I could relate to both of them in some ways. Um, I think I second that. Yeah, it's uh, some, some of the scenes felt a little forced. Like they like, I don't know. I just being a parent, I would think that uh, I don't know. I just I didn't find the scenes believable. And you know, the, both of those actors are parents too, which was shocking because I had to I, I had to look that up. And I'm like, are these actors actual parents? Because no parents would act like this. Adam <laughs> like, Driver has a kid. <laughs> Adam Driver has a kid. Yeah, he keeps them super secret and locked down. That's and, smart. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, Noah Baumbach, uh, he had a film called Francis Ha that I really liked. Came out in 2012. Oh, yeah. One, and I think it was Adam Driver's, one of his first films, actually. I that I was in. he was involved with that. Yeah. That was good. It was black and white, and it was classic. It, it was like a Woody Allen's in Manhattan 
Mm -hmm. It felt a lot like that, like an homage to the city and relationships. And this felt like just a slow, boring Woody Allen, Woody Allen movie. One yeah. that I wouldn't want to ever it's, watch it's, again. It's yeah, like they we, put we Woody Allen characters yeah. into a scenario that was yeah. more grounded than a Woody Allen movie would have them. I didn't like anybody in this movie. Even the kid. I didn't really care for the kid. He just seemed like somebody put some batteries in this guy. He's like moving around half the time. I just didn't buy him as... I don't know. I mean, he was good, but... The, yeah. the scene that the scene that we all can agree on was the the best one was when the uh, the like observer person yes yeah. showed up at uh, Charlie's apartment and the kid mentioned some other knife trick he's like no 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 and she asked him like like what's the knife trick because she needs to know in case he's like you know spin a butterfly knife around this kid he's got a little like exacto retractable blade he's like yeah I just do this thing where I like pretend to cut my arm and I don't and that my uh, uh, Nicole loves it I don't do it for the kid and then he accidentally slices his arm. He's like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. He slices it like it's bleeding profusely. I think that scene was a metaphor for how I felt about this movie. Like I meant to accidentally, you know, I, I meant to play this joke, cut my arm, and yeah. actually I, I sat through this movie for two and a half hours and slowly bled out. <laughs> I mean, how did this movie, I, I, I don't know. Some of the performances were, were really great. There were some scenes that I thought they did really well, but... Again, another one of those movies where I'm like, how did this thing get nominated for Best Picture? Yeah. And I, again, I think it's the uh, like the acting combined. I did yeah. like that they in the beginning they each read like as part of their like, counseling like things they like about the other person, and the whole movie you keep seeing them do that stuff. He keeps like turning lights off, and she keeps like leaving cabinets open. And I also misspoke. I meant, meant to refer to this point where he asked the observer, "Do you ever observe uh, married couples?" And she answers seriously, "No." That was <laughs> that was a joke because that. That observer was so deadpan and so boring and was such a perfect sim symbolic image yeah, of the film. Yeah, that's Martha Kelly. I, I think she did stand up. Mm. Her, she's part of like the alt scene where it's very like low-key and a little Stephen Wright-ish. Wasn't stoked with the movie. I'm ready to watch something <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> I'm ready yeah. to watch something good. A, a teaser, it may be a Blues Brothers movie. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with something that's going to be a little bit more along our uh, happy, jovial yeah. selves instead of a bunch of depressing films. <laughs> we have I, There are a couple more um, Best set. Picture nomination pictures we need to watch, and uh, th some of them look pretty good. Okay. So. I think we have uh, three kind of maybes almost down. Some like, thumbs down on this one. I'm trying to think of who to recommend this movie to, and um, I guess like someone who's studying to be a director or like... Uh, even like a then, cinematographer, maybe. I, I even then it was simple. Yeah, it was. There was nothing complex. There yeah. was nothing special about the cinematography. The writing to me was a little shallow. It felt yeah, it felt it, a little it thin. It, it kind of just jumped into the situation and they back tell some of it as they go. But you just they there's so much foreshadowing in the beginning of the film that it yeah it, it, you know okay so you can cry on you know, on demand, and you can, like, I, I just wasn't impressed. They did, I don't think the actors had to stretch real far for it. It felt forced, as you said. Yeah. Like, some of it felt very forced. If you like looking at Scarlett Johansson and Ham Driver, maybe that's what it is. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's different than a lot of the other films that are out right now. That's yeah. perhaps why it did get nominated. That's fair. Uh, but, you know, if you have Netflix and you're bored, you know, try watching a little of it, but we don't necessarily want to say sit yeah. through the whole thing. Drink yeah. a lot of beer. <laughs> yes. Uh, Might help. But what beer should we drink with this? <laughs> yeah. So with that, we're going to go ahead and take our quick commercial break. If we had one, this is where it would go. All right. Thank you 
for hanging out with us. This is the second part of our episode where we're going to discuss the two beers, well, the beers, the multiple beers. The many beers. That we tried with Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story. I keep wanting to say a marriage story, but there's no A at the beginning. I do too. It's just Marriage Story. You go, ah, Marriage Story? Yeah. (laughs) So, where is the podcast land? Grammar doesn't exist. Yeah, grammar. (laughs) Throw it out the window. We first started out with Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. and we had the idea of picking some German beers. Yeah. Uh, so I went to a local bottle shop, uh, specifically Hollywood Liquor, on my way home from the gym one afternoon, and I purchased three different kinds of German beers, which they had available. We had Riesdorf Kolsch, we had Weinstefan Hefeweizen, and then we had Warsteiner Premium Dunkel, which is a Munich-style beer. All three of these beers, very good. I wasn't really sure. I, I didn't want to go for like a heavy, heavy, darker beer. Right. We, we had discussed briefly that it may be something light or something fun because we thought it was going to be a fun movie. The the tone in the trailer is, and that's a problem with trailers occasionally, is the trailer tone was like, oh, light, jovial little romp about Nazi Germany. Yeah. And he portrayed it probably accurately in some spots. My thought process was something a little lighter, something a little easy to sip while you're Watching the fun hijinks. And, and I think I, I agreed. I, this While the film wasn't terribly long, uh, it gave us an opportunity to try each of the beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us went back to the ones that we preferred, which would have been the Kolsch. I, I really like the Kolsch. Yeah. I mean, I, I love a Hefeweizen, but I think for this movie, I think the Kolsch, just as a style, worked a little bit better. Lighter. It's not a challenging flavor. You can sip it. It's a lower alcohol beer, so you don't have to worry about drinking too much. Uh, we did drink water in between most of them. I know I had the water <laughs> right at hand most of the time. Oh, yeah. That would be our recommendation is to find a lighter beer. Uh, if you can find a German style, I uh, highly recommend doing a Kolsch. There are some not-so-good styles of Kolsch out there mm-hmm. that are made in America. They're Kolsch styles. They're not actual Kolsch beers because Kolsch can only come from Cologne, Germany, which is where they're magically from. Kolsch was great. I like oh, that Oh, Kolsch style. Yeah. It, it was really light, had a nice frothy white um, mm-hmm. head. The nose gave probably a little bit of lemon, a little bit of grass. I vaguely kinda, remember some Kind of probably more yeasty notes than anything because it, it does have a mild yeast front. Uh, the taste profile is really simple. It does have a little tart of, yeah, a little hit up front from the hops, but it's not offensive. And it's just basically a light crackery beer, like a Pilsner, but it's made with different malt, so... It is not a Pilsner. It is a Kolsch. Uh, overall, I think we all really liked it. So it, it yeah. does typically keep its carbonation all the way through while you drink it. Uh, so you can sip it fast or sip it slow, and you should still have a little bit of uh, agitation in the mouth when you drink it. Nice. So Kolsch has to come from one particular area? like The, the Cologne region of Germany. Okay. And that's, is that like how champagne has to come from one site? That's Correct. cool. Now, most people in America, most brewers in America, or most companies in America don't care, and they're going to call it Kolsch. America. But it's actually Kolsch style. Uh, Kolsch is, within government, German law, only can come from that area. Okay. So if you got, like, a Kolsch in, like, another part of Germany, you knew it was from that. It had to be, it's probably a bottle, you might find it in draft, a little ways away from Cologne, but they don't okay. distribute widely in draft. You're going to find it in bottles and cans, most likely in cans. You can get them imported here in the U.S. There's a number of major grocery store chains that carry them. So uh, explore, try to find some German beers, and if you can't find a Kolsch, like I said, find another lighter German beer. That's um, cool. I would definitely recommend a German beer with it since it is a, a fun German movie. For me. Yes. 
It's not a German movie. <laughs> it's an American-made romp through Nazi Germany. Germany was vaguely involved. In name. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Only in name and reference, yeah. not really in reality. Yeah, yeah, That's true. All right, so the second film that we watched down here in the Man Cave was a wonderful film that we all got very depressed about, mm. and we thought about drinking heavily. Oh, my God. We, uh, if I didn't have work the next day, I would have. Yeah. If it wasn't a Sunday night, I yeah. would have. <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh, we need shots of whiskey with this. Like, 1917. Seriously. It's like, you need a heavy drink to go with this movie. Yeah. We had talked about doing a stout. I was running around Costco that afternoon, and I was like, hey, they have an Irish sampler pack that has uh, three really well-known and well-distributed Irish beers uh, yeah, to you... include Guinness Stout, Smithwick's Irish Red Ale, and then Harps Lager. And my idea was to mix them, mix the Guinness in both, because that's actually something that's they right. do. They can make a black and tan, mm. or they can make I forgot about uh, those. Yeah. a light red. I don't remember what that one's called, but they basically you're you're trying to bring the Guinness profile forward because it is a fairly skinny beer, a yeah. lighter beer. Even the nitro ones, and these were nitro cans. Or uh, nitro bottles that had the tabs in them, so they it tasted really smooth. It was really good. Just before we watched the film, I was out and I decided, to, hey, if we're gonna, I know the stout's probably the one we're gonna pick. Let's compare it to another stout. So I went and picked up a beer called uh, Milk Stout Nitro. It's in a tall boy can and it's by Left Hand Brewing out of Longmont, Colorado. This is an amazingly good beer. It goes down very smooth, like yeah, Guinness does on a nitro. It's just fuller bodied and bigger, which is what I had the idea of, you know, mixing the different beers with the Guinness to make it a little fuller bodied. But inevitably, I think just the Guinness by itself, I think at least, like, I, I don't know, Randall, was that your choice? The, the, the left hand, uh, the Guinness? No, I don't think, who chose the Guinness? Uh, well, we we I, both I, thought I, the Guinness was... Like, oh, they went with the movie. The oh, that one with the movie. Oh, I thought, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Oh, I, I like think, the, um, yeah. I like the left hand a lot. Left hand was really good. good. I needed something to enjoy while watching this movie. <laughs> that's a good way. To, and good I way to like play it. Guinness. Like I thought this, you know, it was you know a little more bitter, like this film. But I thought I I don't know a double negative. It wouldn't have made this film right, you know. Right. So like I went I with something that. that I knew was gonna. I didn't know the left hand was so good, but after tasting it, I was like, I'm not gonna go back to to what I know. I love Guinness. Guinness is great, yeah. hands down. Um, but yeah, this movie was too hard to, that's actually really, to watch. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Have something you really enjoyed. Yeah, that. yeah, something I that's going to make you smile. <laughs> I think I, I'm really enjoying like matching the theme of like what I'm drinking with the movie. Mm. So everyone being like bitter. By the time I got to the Guinness, because I think I did the left hand and then the uh, Smithwick. So I was like, oh, hey, Red Ale. And then, maybe, then the Guinness. I did the Guinness at some point. Like when they were really starting like f go after each other, mm -hmm. when like the good terms were gone, it was just like mean. I was like, "Sip, yeah, this feels like when I'm watching is in this glass. It feels right. Not to say Guinness is for fighting, but <laughs> it just seemed to, the flavor seemed to." Although match many of fights have broken out after a few pints of Guinness. What did you call me, Seamus? <laughs> punch, 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 punch. Yeah. So, I, I totally agree with both points. I mm -hmm. think Randall, you probably have the better idea is to find something that you're going to enjoy. Yeah. A heavier, darker, it doesn't have to be darker, but a, a beer that you're really going to like, because this is a challenging, again, challenging, I'm air quoting myself, yeah, yeah. a hard movie to watch if you yourself have experienced a divorce in your life as a child or a parent, 
if regardless of what type of couple it is, even if you're not married, and when you go through separation, you deal with these similar topics, and they're not pleasant. I it, to me, I felt like, and I had mentioned to the guys, this is like a train wreck, a really bad, slow train wreck that you're forced to stop and look at. Yeah, it's you don't have a choice. You you're forced down the rabbit hole with these two characters, mm-hmm. and for some people, it's not a pleasant experience. It brings back bad memories, or you know you. You have these experiences that, oh, wow, it's reflected on the screen. And maybe that's why it got nominated, because it is somewhat real. But to me, it felt forced in that way. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. They, they could have highlighted other characters, subplots, but they chose just to really focus on what the characters were fighting about mm-hmm. instead of what they, they did at the beginning, talk about the good things. But that didn't matter in the end. No. Nah. Yeah, I felt like they, they kind of built it up at the beginning... We, they really cared about each other and all these positive... And then just dropped off a cliff. And they never got back to it until the end. And then even then it was like an afterthought. Yeah, so definitely try... An afterthought, and, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Try to find something you'll enjoy while you, yeah. while you watch it. Because this is definitely not a pleasant film. Yeah. yeah. Got great reviews, though, so what do we know? <laughs> would, would definitely recommend the beers. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, maybe perhaps not this movie. <laughs> A big thumbs up to Kolsch to go with, or a Kolsch style, or mm-hmm. something similar to that, a lighter German beer for Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I think the milk stout or something that you're going to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, we ended up, I think, going with the Guinness simply because there was enough of that. We could just fall back on that and keep drinking mm-hmm. it without... It's a lighter beer, so we felt like, oh, we can drink a bunch of this, because we need to drown our <laughs> sorrows right now. Or, as you know, Randall did, enjoy it. And, and be distracted that. with that enjoyment <laughs> from this kind of crazy uh, train wreck that's in front of you. So this brings us to the end of our episode. As always, the opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts. If us, you, the hosts. The hosts. If you do watch films and enjoy a beverage with them, please remember to drink lots of water. Hydrate or dehydrate. Yes. So we want to thank you all for listening today. So take care, everyone. This is Dan Kapersky. We have... Blake Hunt, expert in drinking all of Dan's beer. Yes, all of my beer and our wonderful... And Randall. Co-co-host Randall. So thank you all much for listening and have a great evening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been Movie and a Beer. Stay tuned for future episodes and features to be added to our website and podcast. And please remember to drink responsibly and hydrate, hydrate, hydrate.